0: At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage.
1: is this to you, what is the number one cause of bankruptcy in America today? The other question is this, what is the most profitable industry in America today? Who knows the answer to that, Kim?
2: I know the answer to that, and it goes hand in hand because the number one cause for personal bankruptcy is medical expenses.
1: And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Because and
2: the the most profitable industry in the U.S. is healthcare. Healthcare, insurance <laughs> companies, Funny how hospitals. that works.
1: <laughs> so anyway, um, the reason it's important to all of us, regardless of where you live in the world, is that the title of the book we're discussing today is called An American Sickness. And as some of you may know, America exports many wonderful things, like you know, the iPhone. But it also it also export many diseases. One of them is lawsuits. You know, when I was in Australia, they said, well, the American disease has arrived here in Australia, you know, before they never sued anybody. Now everybody is suing everybody. So the book we're discussing today is called An American Sickness, and it is what has happened to American healthcare in the last 25 years. Our guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. She is a doctor, but she saw the light and she became a writer for the New York Times so she could share what she knows. And today she is editor-in-chief of Kaiser Healthcare News. And Kim and I just got this book.
2: We couldn't put it down. And it I was, would say it's It's probably, disturbing, <laughs> very yeah, it's, disturbing.
1: It's the most disturbing yeah. book we've ever written because, look, all of us will face what this book is written, writing about. All of us even if you're healthy i don't know about you but if you have friends family kids grandkids it's all going to affect you it's all going to cost you money and like i started this whole program with today the number one cause of bankruptcy in america is not the stock market crash it's your health crash where you can't afford to live and that's why all of us is being held ransom. You know, your money or your life. That's really what it comes down to. And the person not not putting it's not putting a gun in your face. They're putting your health in your face. In other words, if you don't pay, you can die, or your son can die, or your daughter can die, or you'll be crippled for in your entire life. Because you can't make the payments. Any comments? Kim? Well, the book is
2: called An American Sickness How Healthcare Became Big Business and How You Can Take It Back. And you want to listen to this show as if your life depends upon it because it does. So I want to welcome to the show Dr. Elizabeth Ro- Rosenthal. Welcome, welcome, Elizabeth.
3: Thanks for having me. I think this is something everyone should be um, really wise up to, because my friends in other countries say to me, why do you guys put up with this? Why do you Americans stand for this system? Um, how can health care bankrupt someone? That's just so wrong. And I think uh, the first part of the book shows how we got to this crazy profit-driven system. And the second part points out to Americans that there are other things we can do. There are other ways to do this, and that we can. Can uh, stand up and say, you know, we don't feel good about being ripped off. I should say the the alternate title for this book was Your Money or Your Life. So <laughs> I think you got the message yeah. from the
2: first few yeah. pages. So, so Elizabeth, if we could just start, how how did we get into this mess? How did how did health care? Can, can I get yeah. just
1: one example? Of how okay. bad it got? Go ahead. You know, like we've had several of my our personal, uh, Kim and I have the wherewithal to have our personal doctors. But it's uh, on page 35 of your book, and your book is so well written. Everybody it, should read this book. Anybody can, anybody, even I can read this, read this book. Everybody should read this book. Thank in, you. In one instance, a, fam, a family was billed $21,000. Now that's, that's a considerable amount of money for most people. After the father had a heart attack in the living room of his home. So guys has a heart attack. By the time they get him to the hospital, he's dead. He's sitting in the lobby, and they bill him $21,000 for <laughs> sitting in the lobby dead, and they did nothing for that. Now, I know that might be an extreme case, Everything is kind of
3: extreme, but these are things, everything in the book is something that happened to real people and could happen to you. You know, I didn't go out looking for people who had trouble. They came to me. And, you know, another nice example of something like that is, say you're transported by ambulance after a minor crash into the hospital, right? That frequently happens. You know, you don't feel that hurt, but an ambulance pulls up and you get in to be checked out. Um, if the triage nurse at the hospital calls the trauma team, which they often will do just in case because they don't know when you come in the door, is you are you hurt badly or not? That call to the trauma team at many hospitals can generate a trauma activation fee of $10,000. Even if the next call is like, ah, you know, he doesn't really need it. It's not that bad. So I think, you know, the, the the lesson is in our current system, which is very entrepreneurial at the hospital level and the pharma level and the provider level, everything is billable. Everything is billable. You know, the person who walks you to the bathroom after your surgery, that may be billed as a $250 physical therapy charge. Now, you know, that's crazy, and you know that wasn't really physical therapy, but you can kind of, the billing departments can be very creative in how they're uh, billing and what they're charging for each of those services. So, so Elizabeth, how, how did we go from
2: taking care of the patients to reasonable fees and all of that to this huge, enormous, big business, focus only on the bottom line, and screw the, screw the patient? How do we well, get there? It-
3: it happened kind of slowly over the last 25 years, and I was very interested in this because when I trained in medicine about 25 years ago, you could see the kind of first little hints of, of commercialization, but still there was like a head nurse on each floor, and she would lie, or mostly she in those days, would lie down in front of a train if, if anything was threatening the patients on her ward. Like, you couldn't say to her, ah, you know, your insurance doesn't pay for another day you got to go home or we're not going to give you that drug because we don't have a good, you know, we're not getting a good price on that. And what I began to see was people coming in with clipboards and looking at hospitals as consultants. And they were consultants from McKinsey, from Deloitte saying, how can we do this more efficiently? And that made sense in the very beginning because hospitals were incredibly inefficient places. But that kind of turned over time to just using the metrics of business and the lens of looking at these operations as businesses instead of as healing, caring professions. So, you know, some of the some of the things consultants did when they came in was to say, hey, we're going to show you a way that you could make a lot more money by billing more creatively for the same stuff you're doing. You don't have to do anything differently. We're just going to show you how to bill more for it. Right. Or you want to move up in your U.S. News and World Review best hospital ratings? We're going to show you how to game that system. And and you know, no one was saying we're going to show you how to reduce your infection rates or to improve the the um, you know the, the the rehab after hip surgery. It was just what's good for the bottom line. And that to me is a problem. I don't mind people profiting, but I do mind. I don't mind people profiting from good medicine. I do mind them profiting for things that have no medical benefit, or in some cases, uh, hurt patients.
1: Once again, Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. This is a book everybody should read, even if you're not an American. It's called An American Sickness. As I said earlier, if you're living in Australia or Canada, it will spread to your part of the world as well as England. It's an American sickness called Greed. But it has to do with your health and your body. So, so doctor, you know, I've we've had both of my doctors, our doctors on, and they are just crying the blues because they cannot provide health care anymore. They must do what the corporate body tells them to do. Have you found that they can't do what's they good for the patient? Yeah, they can't prescribe, yeah, They must do what makes money.
3: Well, I think the only people who I hear from who are unhappier than patients are a lot of the doctors in the system who have found themselves in this business-oriented system. Look, you know, hospitals used to be run by physicians. Now they're run by people with MBAs, and there are layers and layers of administrators, and the, the physicians working in those hospitals are extremely frustrated because they've for the most part want the same thing as their patients which is more time to develop relationships they don't want to just order a bunch of tests they want to think about what they do they don't want their patients ripped off right so i hear from surgeons and surgeons from you know conservative red states who say you know i felt really good about taking out that patient's appendix and saving his life and then he came to me and said hey doc you know thanks i feel much better but i've got this bill from the hospital that I can't pay. So, you know, your physician doesn't want to bankrupt his patients and he doesn't want his patients ripped off. But they are stuck in this system that incentivizes values of business, which are efficiency, revenue generation. And, you know, there are some doctors, of course, who, who are very entrepreneurial and have run with that and are making tons of money on it. But I think for the most part doctors went into medicine because they wanted to take good care of patients and they wanted to do that in a way that was respectful full of their finances and that's really hard to do right now
2: well we had I mean we had a, our own experience with Robert you had your experience last year with
1: well last year uh, doctor I got, I got a little nick on my uh, one of my fingers I was cutting some chicken
3: mm-hmm
1: <laughs> and uh, thirty four thousand dollars later with one suture in it and an overnight stay I had a wow. direct experience of what you were talking about And then plus the finger blew up the next day because it got infected and it it turned purple. And I walked in and as soon as the doctor saw me walking in, He took a vacation in Mexico or something. (laughs) $34,000 for a little cut. A single suture.
3: Unbelievable. In the the emergency room, I assume. This is where where we see some of the biggest charges. And, you know, look, we go to uh, an emergency room often, which is in network, right? So we don't think we're going to get hit with these charges. And then the doctors who see us in the emergency room are out of network. And that's where you see these mammoth charges. And it's really, really... um, you know, I've seen bills for stitches that ranged from $1,000 to $45,000, minor stitches. Jeez. Um and I, I always like to point out when we're talking about international comparisons that um, I'm slightly accident-prone and a runner, so I, I fell when I was running in Rome and got a big gash in my forehead. I went to Gemelli Hospital, which is the Pope's hospital, so no shabby operation. They stitch up my forehead and apologize profusely for charging me $100, Jeez. you know. so. How much does Fitch, should stitches cost? Well, okay, maybe a hundred dollars is kind of on the cheap end, but thirty-four thousand is definitely—you know—imagine if groceries or cars or something else were were, were were priced at that level. I mean, it would just—we would there would be a, a huge uprising. And I think half of the way we got there is for a long, long time, insurers paid most of these costs, so we didn't see them. Right? So. Maybe you saw in your explanation of benefits that your insurer had paid $10,000 for something that seemed pretty minor, and you just thought, oh, well, at least it's not me paying. But now, you know, there are rising premiums, rising deductibles, rising copays. So now we're feeling those costs. And when people say to me, wow, why are the premiums going up? Well, it's because in the background, for years, these charges were going up and up and up to things like 34000 45000 for Riches. And how do insurers react to that? They're they, it's not they not going to eat the cost. They're for-profit companies. They figure out a way to pass it on to the consumers. Once again, it's
1: Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to everybody out there because of today's radio program. Regardless if you live in America or not, it will someday affect you. And this is especially true if you say, well, I don't have to worry. I'm healthy. Well, do you have... Brothers and sisters who may not be healthy. Well, or if have you get ki- an accident. Well, you have kids who are not healthy. You know, I mean, what's gonna, what's gonna, number one cause of bankruptcy today is healthcare, and this is, and the title of the book is an American sickness. I would call it an American disease, just like lawsuits are an American mm-hmm. disease. So come up, we'll find out more about corporate corruption, and medical corporate, you know, corruption, and more, more importantly, what you can do we're discussing something that affects all of us, rich, poor, educated, or not educated, old and young. Our guest is Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Her book, An American Sickness. I would highly suggest you go out and read this book because I feel frustrated, in fact, in the, in the idea that I can't, we don't have enough time to cover what she knows and what she suggests. So once again, the book is American Sickness. It is how healthcare became big business and how you can take it back, because it's gonna affect all of us. I think about my in-laws and things like that. What happens if an in-law comes and says, my child is ill, I don't have money to take care of it? What are you gonna do, what am I gonna say? No, I'm not gonna give you the money to take care of your child. You know, what am I gonna do, right? What if yeah. what if you lose your job? What are you gonna to say to somebody who lost their job? Well, or you have, you have a job now, but you lose it 10 years from now. So these are all questions why this book is an important book to read right now. So i like to start with another horrible story a Canadian who went to Arizona was charged $210,000 for a failed attempt to take out a hip implant that had gotten infected. So this Canadian guy travels here, his hip implant gets infected, and the American system wants to charge him $210,000.
3: For something that didn't work.
1: That didn't work.
3: Right, Right. So, with no warranties but, and no guarantees. Right, right. right.
1: <laughs> so then they charge him $28,000 to pay for an air ambulance back to Canada where the successful surgery in Canada was performed for free. So that's how big the gap is, and people say, I think I'll move to Canada. I'm afraid for my Canadian friends, a lot of Americans are going to, all of a sudden, migrate to Canada just for healthcare. <laughs> so, I mean, why is it? Why is there such a discrepancy between a US system and the Canadian system?
3: Well, because we pay whatever the market will bear, and since most of us are not paying out of pocket, um, and our insurance, uh, our insurance providers, they don't really care how much it's being charged to you for. They can pass it along in premiums, right? So they don't – I mean, I had one guy, another horror story, who was charged $117,000 for an assistant surgeon who was out of network. He had neck surgery. The primary surgeon got $6,000. What,
1: what, does, what does out of network mean?
3: It means that the second surgeon didn't have a contract with his insurer, so they hadn't negotiated a price in advance. So that meant the out-of-network guy could charge whatever he Uh, wanted, uh right? And so the the patient, a guy named Peter Dreyer, said, whoa, $117,000. This surgery didn't even need a second surgeon, and I don't know this guy. I never even met him. He he just came into the operating room to help. I'm not paying it. The insurer said, oh, okay, all right, you don't have to pay. And then the insurer paid the guy $117,000 thousand dollars. So, you know, we like to think, oh, the insurer's in our corner. They're not. They're, you know, we don't think our car insurer is in our corner or our home insurer. They, They collect premiums and they pay out bills. And you know, they are not your advocates, so we have to be our own advocates. Yes. So, you know, we don't all have the option of flying to Canada when things don't work out. Um, although I, I do know...
1: I'm considering know, it right now.
3: <laughs> I do know I had an, another patient who, a Canadian, who was a professor in, in Minnesota. His kid got cancer. Um, he went to Canada for treatment. So, you know, I, I think that's a really sad statement, But and part of what I, I want to encourage with this book is for Americans to realize there are things we can do. You know, we are kind of complicit if we don't stand up and say, that bill doesn't seem reasonable to me, as we would at the grocery store or at the, you know, when we're buying a car. And there are ways you can do it. And that's part of this the second half of the book.
1: Okay. Things, once, once again, yeah. Doctor, I want to make sure people buy your book because health is something all of us are concerned about. And I wanted yeah. to let you know that Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal is not some hack. She's a doc,
2: she's, she's. I am not a hack. I'm, I'm not, not a, I can, I would say she's not a hack. I, I, I,
1: doctor, I, doctor, I consider myself a hack when I criticize the uh, mutual fund industry. But, but you're, yeah. you're, you're a doctor from Harvard Medical School who decided to become a writer instead. What? Yeah, and I care
3: a lot about medicine, I, and I care a lot about patients getting really great treatment and not going bankrupt.
2: Yeah, let me give you another story here because I, I, think, I think what you're addressing, Elizabeth, is people really feel out of control. They, they feel like they have no control over their own health. And so you tell a story about uh, Wanda Wickeser, yep. Um and she had no insurance because she was healthy. She had two kids, and she didn't feel she needed insurance, and then one day a blood vessel burst in her brain and she required 15 days in the hospital and a medical evacuation and then the bill started the helicopter for the evacuation $50,000 and yep. when all was said and done... Well, as a
1: helicopter pilot, that was worth it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she but, bargained that down to 15000 you know, yeah. and which is still probably way more. Well, that, it was still that very just for possible. a helicopter, right? But right.
2: then her total bill came to like half a million dollars. Yeah. And she yeah. at one point, this is the, the point I wanted to make, she at one point said that she wished she had never gone to the hospital. She said, I would have died, but I wouldn't have had to go through this. Right. That's and her quite illness, a statement. She had this major illness,
3: and her problem was the bills. You know, yeah. she should have been focusing on her recovery yes. and grateful to be alive. And instead, she was hounded for about two years by the hospital that saved her life to pay $350,000, which she didn't have. And I should point out, you know, she is a good bill-paying citizen. She ended up uninsured really through no fault of her own because this was in the pre-ACA era where she couldn't get a- insurance.
1: A- a- is Obamacare Ob- yeah Obamacare okay.
3: because she had a, a a minor medical history so she had a pre-existing condition so um, and and she offered the hospital her retirement account which was had a hundred thousand dollars in it she said take it and that was more than Medicare would have paid for her stay what most private insurers would have paid for her stay and they said nope. You know, we want we want two hundred and sixty-five thousand or nothing. They tried to put a lien on her house. Uh, they dunned her her uh, um, tax refunds. I mean, you know, they they literally they put this life. poor woman through yeah. hell.
1: You have another story in the start of your book about a school teacher. He had some kind of treatment that was costing nineteen thousand dollars each, and he didn't have to worry about what nineteen thousand would insurance would.
2: company handle that? Yes. Yeah.
1: But then but then he moved a few blocks away cuz his doctor moved to another hospital and the $19,000 payments went up to 132,000 per treatment for the same per treatment. treatment per treatment Every-
3: and he's a New York City school teacher, so we're all paying for that 132000 And his insurance paid, but he wrote to the hospital and said, I don't care if you're paying. You know, they said, oh, don't worry, your insurer will pay. And we, how many of us have heard that? Don't worry, you're not paying it. Well, I am paying. Maybe next year, maybe not today, but I am paying.
1: We're all paying.
3: And we're the- all paying. And I think it's easy to get stuck. You know, my own daughter, after all of this, she's 25. She called me the other day. She'd had a procedure her last year in college. She was. She had double insurance at the time. Someone must have filed something wrong. And she discovers that... One of the providers has referred her to collections, and her credit score dropped a hundred points. She didn't even know that this bill existed. As far as she knew, it had been paid by the insurer. I mean, this is the kind of situation that 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 you know we're stuck with, and I think um, we shouldn't be complacent about it
1: anymore. Once again, it's Robert and the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to a doctor. Elizabeth Rosenthal, the book is an American sickness. It's out now. The reason I'm harping on it is it's, we're about education, financial education. And let me tell you, if you're sitting there right now, so I don't have to worry, my company has health insurance and all this, just remember this if you lose your job, you're out. You're outside the coverage. Obamacare is, whatever's going on right now, you're out. So I'm encouraging people. I just started to read this book. I couldn't put it down because it's worse than a murder mystery. It's the most <laughs> horrifying story I've ever heard about what we do, what what business is doing to the people who need healthcare. And that's yeah. why my friend Donald Trump is doing his best to change it, but as he said, it's the most complex system he's ever seen because it's not based upon healthcare, it's about wealth care. It's about yeah. ripping people off. So again, the book is an American Sickness by Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Please get the book because even if you're healthy, some of your friends and family or your fellow employees may not be.
2: So when we come back, I want to go I want to talk to Elizabeth. If what happens if all of a sudden I have an emergency and I have to go into the hospital? What can I do? To ensure or some, somewhat protect myself from these exorbitant fees and exorbitant expenses, what can I do well, as an individual? Let's cover
1: that when we get back because okay. she has some very great questions, questions you can ask your doctor. In fact, I'm going to go see two doctors today and I'm taking your questions with me. I'm going to ask them. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. going to ask them because I'm, do, I'm going to those outpatient surgery centers and getting these tests done and all this. I don't even know if they're worthwhile. Plus, another doctor has to come and check me up, and all it is is I have a bone spur. I mean, it's not major surgery. You know, what I mean, it's I could take it off with a toothpick or something. But anyway, <laughs> send me the bills.
3: I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll
1: see. So we when we come back, we'll be talking more to Doctor Elizabeth Rosenthal. But let me tell you something: we can't cover what she knows in a, what a one-hour radio show. So once again, please get our book, *An American Sickness*, even if you live in Canada, and especially if you live in Canada all my friends drive to Mexico Mexico to get drugs down there, and I've done that myself, because the American system, as she says, is so corrupt. It is beyond corrupt. So that's why, please get our book, An American Sickness. When we come back, we'll be going into more what you can do to stay healthy and not go bankrupt. And it's called, the book is called An American Sickness, and for all of you who listen from all over the world, first of all, thank you for listening to the Rich Dad radio program. But please pay attention because an American sickness spreads all over the world because it's the American sickness of greed and fraud and all those other stories. Again, the book is called An American Sickness. Please go out and buy it because in three segments, there's no way we can cover what's in the book. Uh, Dr. Rosenthal is a Harvard Medical School graduate turned reporter. And the best part about her book, it's written so everybody can read it. Everybody, including you, especially if you have friends, family, or kids or grandkids, who may someday need some medical, you know, services. And the book, the book is entertaining; it's better than a Jerry Springer show. You know, about the guy who dies in the waiting room and they charge him twenty-one thousand dollars for use of the wheelchair as he dies. <laughs> what other stories are there, Kim? Oh,
2: there's another story. Um, our assistant, our personal assistant, Christina. She's going to have eyelid surgery because it's affecting her sight. And so she went to her doctor, and uh, they said, well, let's submit the insurance. Let's see what they say. And she called back, and and she goes, the the, uh, person in the doctor's office says, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And she's like, what, what? And she goes, the insurance company said, we'll let you know if you're covered after the surgery. (laughs) After the surgery. That's how crazy it is.
1: And then uh, another part of the story for all you old guys like me, Dr. Rosenthal says because they're not profitable, the hospitals are closing down geriatric wards because old guys aren't profitable. So all you old guys out there well, listen to that. Because you might have to move in with your kids and that they might have to give you the enema and all that other stuff you have to do. <laughs> so and then she also writes about how they sell this proton machine for cancer for $100 million. Now every, every I think what you said, England has one of them, Canada has one, America has one in every corner now because it's so profitable.
2: Canada has one
1: of these machines and we have Everywhere they have them because they want to make sure you go in there and get some protons.
3: <laughs> so they can charge you a lot of
2: they
1: can money. They charge you a lot of money, yeah. right? So, and, what and you know
3: what? These machines now come in the U.S. when they're sold. They're sold with a little guide saying, this is how many times you have to use it to make back the money you spent buying it. It's that kind of transparent mm. and business-oriented. So, and so, of course, once you buy one of these things, you're looking at this guide and you're thinking, oh, I better use it a lot. Otherwise, why did I invest all this money? So it's an investment, and hospitals uh, are trying to recoup their investments rather than thinking, mm, you know, is, does this patient really need this treatment? And and it's it, supposed it, to be a, a treatment for an, that's very rarely used, but in the U.S., of course, since there's one in every city, it's much more commonly used than in other countries.
1: So, And, and you're saying they don't even work that well.
3: Well, you know, like many of the very expensive things in our system they were developed for a very very small number of patients who had a very specific need but that doesn't support buying the machine so and so all of these things that were developed for a very narrow segment of people are now used much more broadly in so, patients who don't benefit or would have benefited from something much simpler or may not benefit you know or may may benefit more from something that's cheaper but there's no revenue model for something cheaper so-
1: so what you're saying then, the, they got to diagnose you to need this machine, otherwise they go broke too.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, oh, or and, they give and, you all the other tests that aren't necessarily necessary so they can charge you for the tests that you may not even need.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, testing is like, I, I like to say it's like booze at restaurants. You can uh, charge whatever you want for it, and <laughs> since insurers pay most people don't react. So we see, you know, like an echocardiogram, and you mentioned you're having a minor procedure, which is often a preface to surgery in hospitals, can cost anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000, depending on the hospital. And P.S. in other countries, it's, it costs about $150, even if you're paying on the private market. So There's no rhyme or reason to this, and you don't know it ahead of time, right? Imagine if you went to a grocery store and you bought a bunch of stuff, and then a a month later you got a bill saying, oh, that was $3,000 with no itemization. Like, you would never eat again, and that's how we shop for health care or quote-unquote shop for health care.
1: And you're also saying that some hospitals sell their patients? You know, what I mean, for a dialysis or for this proton yeah, machine? I mean,
3: hospitals tend to concentrate on things that are profitable. So they want to do, for example, the heart surgeries and the hip surgeries and the knee surgeries. But things like dialysis and transitional care for older people, which is maybe you don't really need an acute hospital, but you're not quite ready to go home. That kind of care isn't profitable, so it's either closed. The transitional units are closed down, and dialysis is outsourced to for-profit companies. Um, which, you know, may, they'll say, oh, we do so much of this, we're really more efficient. A number of patients will say, mm, they're cutting corners. It's like, you know, McDonald's. They're, you know, they're really efficient at getting out hamburgers, but it really, doesn't really taste like a very good right. hamburger. So the, so, the, right? the <laughs>
1: hospitals sell those patients. So right. I go and I need dialysis. I say, oh, this guy's worth $50,000 to I'll, Right. I'll send it to my friend's outpatient clinic down the street.
3: Right. Well, they'll, they'll generally sell their entire dialysis List. Uh, List. practice to a for-profit company so that, that will take it over out of the hospital.
2: And the book is called An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became Big Business and How You Can Take It Back by Elizabeth Rosenthal. And in the book, this is what's really great, is in the book, you actually go into what you can do. If you go into a doctor's office, how do you talk to the doctor? What questions to ask? If you go, so, for example, let's say I have an emergency and I have to go to the hospital. What, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, what do I do? How do I protect me?
3: Well, I think there are things we can do. So the first thing is go to a hospital that's in your network, right? So uh, and when you get to the hospital that's in your network, ask, ask and say, I will only when you sign those forms that say, you know, I I agree to pay for anything and everything right on it. I will only pay for doctors who are in my network or only services who are in my network. If I'm going to an in-network hospital, I'm not going to pay for an ER doctor out of pocket or a radiologist out of pocket. So ask those questions. Also in the book, which which I'm very proud of, are some letters you can send to your hospital. They're kind of like Mad Libs things where you fill in, you know, I had X procedure, you charge me X, and because for these reasons, um, I will not pay this bill because it is my legal right as a patient not to be charged you know x amount of money for this kind of test
1: and right, and, and, I, and, I, and you also have five questions to ask during your hospital stay because when i was in the hospital you have these what you call drive-by doctors and consultants they right. come by they give you a pill they tap you in the back and it's 500 bucks and you don't even know who the person was
3: Right. And I think we need to feel entitled to ask. We need to feel entitled to add on to that consent form, only if that doctor is in my network. We need to feel entitled when we get a bill that doesn't make any sense to write that protest letter and say, I am not paying this bill for these reasons, and let's talk about what would be a reasonable charge. And you say that most
2: people don't even ask for the itemized bill. And sometimes if they ask, the the hospital doesn't want to provide the itemized bill because they know it's chock full of all sorts it's of things. It's uncharged, right. Yeah.
3: And, but, but it is your right to have an itemized bill. And guess what? 50 to 90% of hospital bills have errors. And you're going to see some. I mean, I have one guy in the book. He and his wife had a baby at a hospital in San Francisco, and they were billed for a circumcision. But his <laughs> kid was never <laughs> circumcised, and he knew that, right? So he, he could go back and say, uh-uh, this wasn't done. Now his insurer doesn't know that. Right, right. So you really have to stand up for yourself look at those bills feel entitled to say to your doctor okay you want me to get this blood test well I know your, my doctor's computer is programmed to send it to an expensive lab say I want it sent to LabCorp or Quest one of the commercial labs because it's the exact same machine and at the commercial lab it will cost seven dollars instead of say seven hundred dollars
2: So there's all sorts of things that Elizabeth has in her book, things that you can do to protect yourself. And I'm assuming, like, if you're in the hospital and you're kind of out of it, it's going to be difficult to, like, make a journal of everything you're doing. But you could have somebody there that's kind of your champion, like a relative or a family member um, that could help champion what is actually being done in the hospital.
3: And and frankly, of course, you know, it is a big burden to put on sick people to, like, have to be watching your wallet the whole time when you're worried about your health. But the thing is, in today's system, until the system starts responding to us, we have to ask these questions, whether it's you or your advocate sitting next to you. You have to ask the questions, but I can tell you if we all start asking these questions and all start feeling entitled to answers and to not paying bills that are outrageous, the system will begin to respond. It's partly because we've been very passive as Mm -hmm. this thing has unfolded, and we pay these bills. You know, you get a bill, it has a code you don't understand, a doctor's name you've never heard of before, and it says, you know, what you owe now $2,000 with a prompt paid discount of 20%. And a lot of people just are intimidated and they think, oh, I better pay it. I think that's Um, a good word, intimidated. You shouldn't be.
1: (laughs) Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Her book is An American Sickness, and she says the reason people should read this book is because we need to stand up as the people and start asking these questions. How are they getting away with this? because you're gonna, in the next few years, you're gonna bankrupt a lot of people. She so this is it. a very important book, is for you to be more better educated, stand up and ask the questions.
2: Yeah, and Elizabeth says shop around, and she they actually list some online pharmacies where you can get better deals than your traditional very expensive pharmaceuticals. I, mean, I don't
1: have to drive to Mexico anymore,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: or Canada. Eight percent of Americans go overseas to buy their their pharmaceuticals hey. because they're they're so much cheaper there. I have one guy in the book who pays for his vacation to Paris each summer by buying his inhalers in France instead of in the U.S.
1: <laughs> so uh, let um, me ask you this: As my friend yeah. Donald Trump is being hammered by Ob- Obamacare or ACA affordable, <laughs> affordable, <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think his odds are to transfer? Oh, I around.
3: think I think it's a hard I, I think uh, health care is, as he, he said, is really complicated and hard. I think um, uh, I don't think either the Obamacare or what's being proposed by the Republicans now really directly affects this issue of high prices. I think that's something that has to come from consumers and from the people,
1: really, and from the doctors. You cover that because it's so inflated and it's based upon the gross, not the net anyway. Yeah. So the the insurance companies and nobody cares because it's always about the growth. They can keep raising the prices.
3: And and, and I think, you know, healthcare is kind of a Rubik's Cube. It's complicated to solve and I don't think it's solvable until we've dealt with this pricing problem. You know, other countries do it by negotiating national prices or by saying, you know, nationally, we're not gonna pay this much for a drug. You know, they've set national prices for a drug. We don't do that. Um, can we get to reasonable prices without that? I'm not sure. Well, there you actually an,
2: say that, you know, there's a lot of people feeding at the trough, and you've got the right. insurance companies, you've got government, you've got the hospitals, you got pharmaceuticals, you got kind of everybody's got their hand in the
3: till. Right. Um, so it's, and we're the, yeah, you know, we're, we're the ATM. Yeah, we're the ATM. That's a good point. We're the ATM, yeah. and that's not right. Yeah. You know, that's, they're yeah. supposed to be serving us, not the other way around. So I think, um, you know, uh, if I don't know if it's, Fair to ask patients to act like consumers but in this system at this moment in time that's what we have to do so um we might as well take on that challenge because there are there is so much we can do
1: so i'm gonna ask a real personal question you you went to the harvard medical school and all this and then you became a writer and um are you practicing now
3: no, no, no. I haven't practiced since the mid-'90s. I left um, the, the – I practiced in an emergency room for five years, and I left the emergency room to write at the New York Times during something called the Clinton health reform effort. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're still trying to – wrestling with a lot of the same questions, only now they're all worse. It's really shocking to me because when I first left uh, the practice of medicine, it was because – I felt like people who were poor or uninsured were, were having a really difficult time accessing and affording care. Now I think everyone is. This is everyone's problem now.
1: But you also, um, you also say that the poor and uninsured pay the most, too, in America.
3: They do. They do. But the prices are so high now that, as you said, you know, even if you have good insurance, you're likely getting hit with uh, big premium rises, big deductibles. Um, I, you know, people say, well, that's, it's good for patients to have skin in the game, meaning they have to pay a little bit of their health care costs. But if you're talking about someone with a $10,000 deductible and a $100,000 hip surgery, um, you know, that's not skin in the game. That's like having a kidney in the game. Not a lot of people have $10,000 sitting around that they can just uh, throw it in unexpected medical crisis. So I think, you know, for most every American you're going to gonna run into this at some point in your life. Is it going to be because a blood vessel bursts in your brain or something minor, like you have a bad ankle fracture and need surgery? It's going to affect you. So, you know, it's, I think we can no longer pretend it's a problem that isn't going to affect every American.
1: Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, The Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Her book is An American Sickness. I really highly suggest you get a, go and read it. I mean, even if you don't live in this country, an American sickness is interesting, easy to read, shocking, but it also kind of gives an insight what might be coming to you, even if you're a Canadian, Australian, South American, is because the American greed spreads worldwide. So I want to thank you very much, Doctor. Uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Get the book. It's thanks a for having book. Me.
2: Fabulous book. An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became Big Business and How You Can Take It Back. Tons yeah, of great information. I hope information.
3: everyone reads it and uses the information well.
2: Thank you. Thank Everybody you does much. need to read this. Okay, thanks.
1: Thank you, Doctor. And when we come back, we'll be going to the more popular part of our program. is called Ask Robert. Please realize American sickness is a disease called greed, and it is spreading all over the world. So, please get the book American Sickness. Although she's a Harvard trained doctor, her writing style is interesting. It keeps you, it, it just makes my blood boil at how crooked our medical system has gotten. So, once again, this is for Ask Robert. You can submit your questions to Ask Robert at RichDadRadio.com. You can listen to this podcast again at RichDadRadio.com. We archive it as, so you can listen to it again because repetition is how we learn. But more importantly, this program, have your friends, family, and your kids listen to it to find out how expensive they are and how one of them getting sick may take the whole family down. And there's one point
2: that Elizabeth makes, and I thought this highlighted it quite well. She said, quote, High-priced health care is America's sickness, and we are all paying victims being robbed. When the medical industry presents us with the false choice of your money or your life, It's time for us all to take a stand for the ladder. I think that sums it up pretty well.
1: So once again, this is Rich Dad Radio. We're a financial education school uh, program, and nothing's more expensive right now than your health care, especially in America. So going to ask Robert, Melissa, what's the first question?
0: Our first question today comes from Russell in Phoenix, Arizona. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad says, I'm a small business owner and now responsible for my own health insurance. I was unprepared for the staggering cost of health care. I'm now faced with cashing out my 401k and taking the penalties just to cover. What is your advice for those starting out to be able to cover these types of expenses?
1: I don't think most employees have any idea how expensive employees are. You know, Kim and I own a number of companies, and, you know, they... I talk to most employees, I think they're kind of in la-la land a lot of the time. They just don't know what expense, how expensive job security and benefits are, which makes it hard to grow a business or the economy anywhere, because as Dr. Rosenthal points out, our own health practitioners from the corporate guys and all this are just ripping us off left and right, and so we wonder why there's no job growth and why my friend President Trump is out there fighting to get this thing fixed. But the answer to the question is, you know, thanks for the question. You now been you're now aware, but that's why we have the Rich Dad Radio program. You know, the, the way you pay for your health care is you got to make more money. I mean, pure and simple. You got to learn how to sell, and that's why we have Blair Singer in his book. You know, Sales Dog. That's why Kim and I talk about why we recommend the network marketing industry. Before you quit your job, learn how to sell. If you can't sell, you can't afford it to be an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs can't sell. They may have a PhD in you know Tibetan language or something, but if you can't sell that PhD means nothing. and you can't afford to feed your family, your house and all this stuff. So that's why we have the Rich Dad radio program and that's why you know for most people, going to school is pretty much a waste of time if you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to be an employee, going to school is fine. but you're going to be an entrepreneur. you have to have different skill sets. Any comments, Ken?
2: Well, I would say, Russell, welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. And you, you talk about selling. I mean, this would be a good sales point because a, a lot of people, especially when they lose their job, one of the first things that they realize is they, they've lost their health benefits. And that's everything to them. So maybe one of the good sales pitches is, I'm not going to pay you so much, but I'm going to give you health care. So maybe you just got to be a little more creative. So um It's a huge issue, a huge issue, and hopefully uh, we'll get some solutions here in the near future, but as Elizabeth said, you gotta stand up and you gotta be your best advocate.
1: And I'm requesting the employees in my company, uh, our company, listen to this, because I don't think most of them have any idea how much it costs an employer to hire an employee. And uh, most of my friends who are entrepreneurs, they're just complaining today, they said many people especially young people, have lost their work ethic. They think they should be given everything. And it's expensive giving people everything because you have to produce more than you cost as an employee. So that's why you know we've had our CFO, Jack, up here listening to this. Hopefully he'll pass it on to our employees because they just think healthcare is not, not any big deal. It's very, very, very expensive. So that's why we have the Rich Dad Radio Show, which is a great question. But welcome to the world of entrepreneurships. (laughs) I'll pray for you tonight. Next question, Melissa.
0: Our next question comes from Jerry in Ogden, Utah. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert, with all the good debt you have acquired for someone starting out in the real estate investment world, what banks or credit unions do you recommend using? How to finance investments seems to be something that never gets mentioned. you got to be joking, my friend.
1: (laughs) you got to be joking. Look. You gotta have the skills just like you have to have the skills of selling. You know, pitching a deal to a bank is a skill set. Yes, first is. of all, you gotta have a financial statement. Second of all, you gotta know what you're talking about. When you talk to a banker, you gotta speak a banker's language. What am I gonna tell you which banker to give you the money to? Look, it's still a sales job. You know, like when Kim and I started out to get our first bigger loans, we knocked on seven banks' doors in every sales pitch we made. That's why you should get Blair Singer's book, Sales Dogs, and take real estate investments courses from Rich Dad Education and Rich Dad's Coaching. Because if you can't pitch a deal, I don't care if my banker gave me five million dollars; they're gonna give you jack, man, jack. In the comments, Kim. Well,
2: I mean, it is a sales job because I remember that we were, we were buying this property. It was a 12-unit apartment building, and we went knocking door to door, and they said no, 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 and we kept getting our pitch better and better and better. And I remember sitting down with with our friend David. At, uh, at the bank, and we this said... This in Portland, he, Oregon. This is in Portland, Oregon. And Robert said, and we had all the numbers, and basically the bottom line was, this is how we're going to pay you back. Here's the cash flow. Here's the deal. Here's how we're going to pay you, the bank, back. And uh, he gave us the loan. But it was a sales pitch. It was.
1: Look, you think bankers are stupid? Do you really think they're stupid? They're going to give you a loan because you have a good deal? If you don't speak the language of a banker, they're not gonna talk to you. So Kenny McElroy has three books. One's called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing. The other one is called The ABCs of Property Management, which is key to bank giving you money. And three is The Advanced, ABC, the Advanced Financing Strategies. So i just say this to all of you. I just don't know where so many people are at today. We have Rich Dad's Education that teaches us, Rich Dad's Coaching. We have online programs at Rich Dad and we have Rich Dad Advisor Books. But if you think just because you have a little 2 bedroom one-bath house, a bank's going to give you some money for it, you better pull your head out of somewhere and grow up and start to study. That's why we have Rich Dad as a company. We don't make advice, but you've got to pitch a deal. And, you know, they have all these crowdfunding and all those other stuff right now. It's the same deal. you got to pitch the deal. But if you don't speak the language of a banker, like cap rates and NOI net operating incomes and all this, the banker's not gonna listen to They know you're a joke, they'll give you a credit card. So that's why I rich dad's education. I appreciate the questions, but grow up, you guys. Some of you have got to really grow up and realize this is the real world. People aren't just handing out money to people who don't know what they're doing. Any comments, Kim?
2: Well, there's also an assumption that you have to go to a bank to get financed, and there's all, all sorts of ways to get financing, so you have gotta do your homework, you gotta do your yeah, research. but you gotta
1: know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I wouldn't, you know, so many people, like one time I was going through the airport here and a Phoenix woman says, she had a deal for me, I looked at us oh, and she says, I thought you were a real estate investor. I go, what, 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 what? She goes, this is a great deal. So tell me why it's a great deal. She couldn't tell me why it was a great deal. She expected just because she had an option, a down payment on a property, I should give her money. This woman was so naive, she had no clue. She was clueless in Phoenix. But that's where most people are at because they lack financial education. Well, that's a
2: good point too. You gotta sell the deal, but you gotta sell yourself. Yeah. You gotta sell
1: yourself. And so that's why, please keep listening to the Rich Dad Radio Program. Again, I thank Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. Get her a book in American Sickness. Disease, it's called stupidity and ignorance.
2: An American sickness, how healthcare became big business and how you can take it
1: back. And you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at RichDadRadio.com. Thank you for listening to the program.